2: And book your free consult today.
0: Back for another very special Six Rings podcast, previewing Patriots and Dolphins, the season opener. I'm Andy Hart alongside the usual clowns, Nick Fitzy Stevens, Chris Shime, Time, Shime, and then a very special guest that makes us a very special podcast friend of the program, NFL Network's own Mike Giardi, who we all know is a part time Patriots beat reporter, but also, dabbles in other teams, and one of those teams he dabbles in is the Dolphins. So, first of all, Mike, thanks for joining us.
2: Yeah, you just added another clown to the group here. So, okay, <laughs> we'll take that. Yeah,
0: see, so notice wow. you
2: got
3: very, yeah, you got very special guests. The rest of us continue with the ad hominem attacks from Andy, which at this point now, I guess we're all kind of used to, Mike. Like, um, my skin has calloused to Andy's constant barrage of just uncalled for snipes and barbs. Uh, You're welcome. You must be used to it. Have, Having worked with him in and around the Patriots for so long, you must be used to it at this point, right?
2: Yeah, it's, it's, I just wait for it. You know, you walk in, you see Andy, and then you wait. Like, how long is it going to take before he rips me? Is it going to be 30 (laughs) 30 seconds, a minute, two? It's coming.
0: It's actually probably a bad sign if it doesn't come because there's probably like either, either I'm in a really bad mood because somebody died in my family or I feel bad for you because something bad happened in your family. So if the snipe doesn't come, it's a bad week. But anyway, this is a good week for people that like, Unknown offensive football, and that's where I want to start because I think the theme of this game for both teams is the unknown of the offenses, although it, it's interesting because I think the unknown of the Dolphins offense is seen as a good thing, a hopeful thing, a uh, potential-ridden offense, and the unknown of the Patriots offense I think is um, scary to some people in terms of the Matt Patricia, Joe Judge, Bill Belichick era. So let's start with the Dolphins. How good can this Dolphins offense be? And if it's limited, what will it be limited by?
2: If it's limited, it'll be limited by the players up front. You know, that offensive line, uh, I think they're on their fourth offensive line coach in four years. Uh, And obviously, the first three years with Brian Flores that we're talking about, and this year, new coach, new offensive line coach as well. Uh, You know, they spent a lot of money in Teron Armstead, Connor Williams, which those are clear talent upgrades for them and guys that have played a lot in this league. But the other pieces, Austin Jackson, a first-round pick who was supposed to be the left tackle, and Liam Eikenberg, and there's all kinds of different things there that I don't know how well that's going to work. Now, I will say they're athletic, which tends to fit the scheme that they're trying to run here with the wide zone stuff that, obviously, McDaniel comes from the shanahan McVeigh tree. So um, I would look at that first and foremost, and then it's Tua, obviously. I think, though they're hyping him up a ton, I think the message behind the scenes for Tua is pretty simple. Dude, don't screw it up. We're gonna put guys in 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 one-on-one situations, whether it be you know Tyreek or Jalen Waddle or whomever Cedric Wilson. However, we're gonna do this. We're gonna get these guys isolated, short to mid-range passes. Just be accurate, get the ball out on time, and let them do the rest. You know, they had you go back to San Francisco. You know, look at Jimmy Garoppolo and how they they operated that system with him. Jimmy threw a lot of short passes, but they ended up with a lot of long plays yards after catch. I think that's the same message that McDaniel sent it to him.
3: Yeah, actually, Mike, it's funny you say that because the way that the Dolphins put together this offseason in a lot of ways reminds me of the Jimmy Garoppolo only throwing eight passes against the Minnesota Vikings a couple of years ago in that huge, I think, divisional round win for, for the Niners. And while it's been camp good vibes only for new coach Mike McDaniel, uh, the way that they have built this roster, absolutely sort of jibes with your whole idea of like, look, we built you a giant line. We got a bunch of speedy backs, maybe one who's potentially very underrated in Chase Edmonds. And then we give you every kind of receiver, uh, a speedy move, tight end, an underrated long guy in Cedric Wilson, and then two of the faster, fastest dudes in the NFL in Waddle and Tyreek. So are we making too much ado, if you will, about Tyre- uh, about Tua and his inaccuracy or inability to throw the deep ball?
2: Yeah, I mean, if you take a deeper look at the numbers, his numbers are actually pretty solid. Now, I, I haven't seen anything that makes me say, oh, is that guy. is the guy that was hyped coming out of college, you know, tank for Tua. Um, I think I've said it a million times now, but, like, there are people in Miami that will forever be thinking about draft day, taking Tua at five, and then Herbert goes at six. Um, you know, Herbert's already done things in his first two years in the league that Tua may never do in this league but they do feel like he's in a good place with this offense. Um, there is a comfort in this offense, and it's been a good spring and summer. And, again, I I think from the outside we're putting a lot of pressure on him, but I think from the inside it's it really is about just like, man, it's all going to be there for us. Just chill, take what's there, and we'll be effective winning football games. So we know so how, how much, much- – oh, oh, sorry.
1: Uh, so we know they have a lot of talent on offense, but what do you expect from Mike McDaniel being a first year head coach and going against bill Belichick in his opening day game?
2: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a, a massive X factor, right? And I, I think it has been camp Kumbaya there. There's been a lot of good vibes. It's been the absolute opposite of the way it was with Flores, especially there at the end um, where I think guys were afraid to go around the corner. Cause they didn't know what was going to happen. I think with McDaniel, he's empowered his team. Um, so yeah, we don't, Hey, we don't know what he's going to be like as an overseer of an entire program. Right. And I think we've seen many first year coaches come in and you see mistakes just it happens, you know, that I think that's part of the process of learning to become a good head coach is kind of, you get put in different situations and how do you handle them? And I think the other thing that we'll look for at some point with McDaniel, cause it's going to happen. It happens to everybody is they're going to hit a bad stretch. And then can this happy go lucky, funny guy at the podium, um, You know, we're, we're picking, letting players pick the music and practice all these sorts of things. What does it look like when they lose two or three in a row? And can he get in front of that room and command that room? And can he demand things of them and can he get mad at them and can they, and will they accept it? I mean, that's, that is a something we won't find out until at some point this year when it, when it finally does happen.
0: We know that coaches credibility comes basically with wins and losses and execution on the field. And if you put guys in position, they'll respect you. Um, I know Tom Curran and Phil Perry at NBC Sports Boston had a little discussion about McDaniel and his size and could he be taken seriously? First of all, I think a lot of coaches are short or small, whatever. And and again, I think the respect comes from knowledge and ability to execute on the field. Yeah, this coming from Sean Bradley over here. There's nobody tall in this freaking four box we go going on here. You're I'm six you foot two, you. Jerk. I know Come you on. say that. I don't believe it. I think you lie. It's, I would like to true. see the license that proves that. First
3: thing Mike Giardi said to me was when we met at the Charlotte International Airport, he's like, wow, I've never seen you without a hat on and you're taller than I expected. Thank you. Yeah,
0: he was just being nice. Uh, anyway, so we're talking about the unknown of the matchup or, or, or the unknown of the Dolphins offense. I'm intrigued by the unknown of the matchup with the Patriots defense, because we've spent so much of the summer focused on the Patriots offense, the scheme and Mac, and we've debated, maybe the defense is better than we think. And maybe that's why the Patriots offense is struggling on the practice field. But when I really think about it and I look back at what Gasecki did last year, Waddle did last year, Tyreek Hill has done in his career. I think, Holy crap, this could be a bad matchup for the new look Patriots secondary. And Talk me out of that, Mike Giardi. Talk me into thinking Jalen Mills, Jonathan Jones on the outside. I know Jonathan Jones is supposedly like the Tyreek Hill kryptonite. All these things, but how are they covering that passing attack and dealing with whatever McDaniel decides to throw at them?
2: I I, I don't really have a good answer for you. I can't really I can't really talk you out of. Why feeling. He bring you? Yeah, I mean, look. Well, well here, you, all right. What I talked about with their their weaknesses can the Patriots create some pressure up front? Can they confuse that offensive line that is, you know, this is their first go round together as a group? Um, you know, can they get someone like Judon free, get him away from Teron Armstead? How are you? How are you working that matchup? So that's part of it. And and does Tua crap himself? But you know what? He's beaten you, you three times, and while well, he was Well, he wasn't throwing for 350 yards. uh, And, you know, J.C. Jackson insulted him after uh, week one last year when he had the pickoff. He's like, we knew he'd throw some up there. He didn't really throw that many up there against you, certainly not enough that you took advantage of. Um, So I guess those would be your two ways of looking at it. Like, hey, you find pressure on Tua. He makes a couple mistakes early. And, you know, confidence sucks right out of his body. And they start handing the ball off every play because they don't want him to do what I said. They don't want him to ruin the game.
3: Before we flip the script and get into the Patriots offense and maybe even dive deeper into what I'm sure a lot of Pats Nation thinks is the ultimate advantage in this, which would be Belichick over Mike McDaniel. um, Yeah, I, I could totally see them having to play a little pitch and catch game, minimize it, short passes, and then just get these guys in space and try to take advantage of a Patriots defense that save for the safeties, which even Bill Belichick said is the strongest group. Uh, has been rebuilt in the linebacking core and throughout the cornerback unit, Mike. Um, But tell me a little bit about the Dolphins' defense because the Patriots have not had a... Surprisingly, nobody is going to say, like, watch out for that Miami Dolphins' defense. But Patriots haven't had a lot of success scoring against them, save for that first game in 2019, the one game of Antonio Brown when they won Mm -hmm. 43-0. Ever since, I think the ceiling's been 24 points.
2: Yeah, the question is whether... How much of an influence did Brian Flores have on the overall week-to-week, day-to-day, game-to-game operation versus his defensive coordinator, Josh Boyer? I tend to think that Boyer has a lot to do with it, and I think you're going to see a lot of the similar characteristics that they showed in the previous three years with Boyer with maybe a few different wrinkles. I'll give you why you should be worried right out of the shoot. They got two edge players, and Emmanuel Ogba is probably criminally underrated. He is criminally underrated. 40-plus pressures in each of the last two years, double-digit sacks. And then Jalen Phillips on the other side, who has had a, a very good spring and summer, again, sort of he had a crazy body. He's even reshaped that more. Like he appears to be someone who could be a breakout player this year. And you have two tackles who have had bad summers uh, for different reasons. Yeah, in fact, you don't even know if your right tackle Isaiah Wynn is going to be playing or if he'll be able to go the, the distance in a game because he hasn't been able to go to the distance, it seems, in practice at any point this summer. So. Um, when he's been out there. So, yeah, right there. That could be instant game wreckers on the outside for, for Mac Jones in that offense.
3: Yeah, Jalen Phillips also kind of reminds me of a J- Jason Taylor type. He He's long, he's freakish. I loved him coming out of the draft. I know Rousseau was doing a great job in yeah. Buffalo, and I think he went just a spot or two higher, but Phillips could be a game wrecker. And then also their secondary. Like, like they they were all over Mac until they went hurry up in the second half last year in that god awful final game of the regular season last year. Is there is their secondary healthy enough to be a problem for the Patriots Sunday?
2: Well, I mean, Xavier Howard's healthy, so right away if they want to erase one of your guys, that's a pretty good player to do it with. Uh, I don't know if there's one particular player that the that the Dolphins would look at and say <laughs> we have to take him out, but maybe if someone gets the hot hand, as Andy's shaking his head, but maybe if someone gets the hot hand, you just slide him around a little bit. Obviously, you no know, Byron Jones, he hasn't been what he's been paid to be, but he's still a good player, so that you don't have to contend with him. So that, that second cornerback spot is definitely a concern for them. Um, the rookie – well, not rookie. His third year, I think, the corner from Auburn who picked was picked in the first round, whose name I'm not even going to try to pronounce. No. You just I, said you I, weren't going to try. So, uh, anyway, I, I just did it because I thought no, maybe – but I, in, I, I added about six different syllables there. <laughs> What about Nick
0: Needham? He's a guy that I'm hearing a lot of rave reviews on. What, uh, what's his scouting report?
2: Decent slot player, right? I think someone they've used before against you has had, has had some good success just in general the last couple of years. So that that gives them some depth there. And then Javon Holland, I think you sit there and talk about the Patriots' safeties. Um, I tell you that there are people in Miami that would take Javon Holland over any safety in the league, and he's just entering his second year. Uh, they think he's a star in the making. Uh, They think maybe he's a star already. uh, And I think you'll see him line up in a variety of different places uh, for them. He's a, they feel like he's a playmaker and he's one of the linchpins of that defense. So look, that, that defense has got probably a little bit more talent than, than we're giving them credit for. And I think again, to our point, we, we've spent so much time focused on all these different things internally that you, you don't spend enough time looking at that side of the ball for Miami because. Um, They have done a pretty good job against you for the last, whatever, three, four games.
0: Yeah, they were sixth in points allowed a year ago. And I believe reading the Miami Dolphins press release, they return 98% of their started games from a year ago. So they have continuity in coaching. They have continuity in personnel. And as you said, Mike, they have, I think, some ascending talents. It's not just guys that have been there, but guys that have been there who may be better this year. And, you know, we got used to the JC Jackson Uh, takeover weapon game for the Patriots for years. Xavier Howard's the only guy that takes the ball away more than J.C. Jackson that you have to deal with. So, See, I I was bringing Mike Giardi in to bring some perspective on the Dolphins but also talk me into ways that the Patriots could win this game and I'm not going to lie to you, the more we listen to you, Mike, the less I think the Patriots have a chance to win this game.
2: I'm just trying to, look, I'm just giving you what I know. I'm giving you the facts. People can interpret do whatever they want with them. Uh, I'm giving you you some of my opinions. Look, i you mentioned like ascending players. I think that's interesting too. When you sort of put the the rosters side by side, and you say to yourself, "Yeah, would I take Mac over to a, I, I would. I, I'm a believer in Mac, even though again we have some questions about how things are going with the the coaches and the coaching staff and the system that they put around him for this season. But then you're like Jalen Waddle. Did the Patriots have anybody on offense as explosive as Jalen Waddle? I mean, not you, Ramondre Stevenson. You're going to give me that? Like, okay, maybe, but you know how it works here. He's going to be splitting carries um, and his impact on games will be, I guess, cut in half unless you wanted to give him, make him the bell cow guy, which I just don't believe they're going to do defensively. Javon Holland entering his second year. You say, Oh, I have Duggar. Uh, I mean, I think Holland's a little further along. That's again, just my opinion, but those are players right there. Jalen Phillips, an ascending edge rusher. You hope that Josh Uche was going to be that guy. We're now in year three of Uche and, You don't even know really what Josh Huger is yet because he hasn't been able to either get on the field or stay on the field because of health.
3: All right. Well, Andy opened up by saying that he was most intrigued and had his curiosity piqued by the great unknowns of both offenses. We. Did a little deep dive there, thanks to you on the Miami offense and why there's legitimate concern if you're a Patriots fan and why a lot of people drafted Miami Dolphins receivers and players with their fantasy teams and nobody touched Patriots players, not at least till the middle or the later rounds. So when it comes to this Patriots offense, is there any chance? And no, I will not even insult all of our collective gridiron intelligences by saying like, could it be like a 2007 type of thing where they just, on week one, unveil the Cadillac and, man, off to the races it goes? Is there any chance we are surprised, uh, if not maybe floored or – well, if, if is there any chance, Mike, that Sunday the Patriots put on an offensive show that turns heads and maybe gets a little bit of that? Ah, see, all of you guys were criticizing Belichick all this time.
2: Well, I would say I hope they have something in the bag of tricks for this one. I do because we well, – you can only go by based on what you saw. And then you start talking about, you convince yourself about past reputation. Well, it's Belichick, right? Like, mm-hmm. and Max's pretty good player and he's smart. You know, you're hearing different people say, well, Mac's going to have more control at the line of scrimmage. Well, of course, I think most competent quarterbacks do have the ability to change plays and make adjustments, but it's personnel-based. It's how are you protecting up front? To me, I think the one thing that I keep coming back to is at some point, and it could be real quick, Spread them out and just go quick, you know. I'm not even necessarily hurry up, I'm just talking spread them out and let Mac make those quick decisions and pick a defense apart that way. Make them adjust to you off of that, and then maybe that does open up some things that you've been trying to do this summer, but not very well. I, I that's what I keep in my mind. I come people talk about the RPOs and like going to move Jonu Smith around like of course they're going to move Jonu Smith around they don't have a fullback they want to play more two tight ends now whether that's two tight ends on the line or having them both on the field I think that's where their money is they should be out there at least you should try that and exhaust that possibility early in the year but I still come back to the idea that like the thing that they've done best the thing that the quarterback has been most comfortable in is the stuff they did last year and I find it hard to believe after a couple series if it's not going right that they don't just say We got to find some success offensively. Just get us back in that formation and see if our quarterback can get comfortable.
1: Even if they go back to that, though, do you have confidence that the offensive line can give him any semblance of an opportunity to get the ball out? Well, that's why.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's why I like the quicker stuff. That's why I like to spread it out. You're almost predetermining based on the look that you get from the snap that he's getting rid of the ball in two seconds. You know, and if he can get rid of the ball in two seconds, that pretty much negates any sort of pass rush. Uh, you know, it's the longer stuff, the play-action stuff, which he's good at. But you've got to be able to show that you can protect. I think before you bust that stuff out. So I'm, I am, I am curious to how it works. But I, there's got to, there has to be something, guys. There just has to be because you can't tell me based on what they did this summer that this is what you should do coming into the game. We always know there are wrinkles, but like, okay, well, this outside zone stuff hasn't really worked, and these pass plays that were coming off the outside zone haven't really worked but let's run them again in week one and see what happens when it actually matters. And now everything counts for real.
0: It, it does matter. And it's results time. It's no longer process time. Mac Jones, it's results time. Captain nah, Mac. Well,
2: wait a minute though. And- Bill, Bill would argue with you. You still don't know your team until October.
0: Cool. Yeah, but I if would... your team's 0 and 5 in October, yeah. your season's <laughs> over and it doesn't give I a rat's I was rat going to say,
3: there's nothing like getting to know a 1 in 4 team coached by right. Bill Belichick. You want to talk about treats? You on the receiving end of some of his greatest treats, like in Kansas City 2014, Mike. You sure. would know what it's like to be on the receiving end of a happy Belichick. And I, there's a with the September that they have coming up, which is it's always bookended. Tough September, tough finale, and then a soft middle, which could deceive people into thinking, like, see, they got it together in time, guy. But I'm anxious about the week one, let alone the September that they have ahead of them, that it's tough to see more than a win this month. Like yeah, one mean, of the, oh,
2: you know, I was just going to say quickly, because you just looking at both teams because Miami, I think if we look at this and you say, yeah. you're going to get back to the playoffs, Miami's a team you're going to have to deal with and do better against. If you want to, if you want to get there, because they've, they've improved at least on paper, they've certainly improved. Um, you look at their schedule, their schedule's brutal in September. It's worse than yours. And yours is tough. You have three out of four really tough games and going to Pittsburgh is sort of an X factor because you don't know what that offense is going to look like with Trubisky or maybe it's even Kenny Pickett in week two. Um, But they have four really difficult games. So I think both teams look at this and say. It's not a must win, but it kind of maybe is a must win just in in terms of how this all shakes out and what you what you want to be going into October. I mean, the Patriots, if they can take care of Miami and then win in Pittsburgh. Even if they lose the next two to Baltimore and Green Bay, two and two out of September, I think a lot of people would sign up for that. I think Miami looks at the same thing, says we got to take care of New England because it, it looks a little difficult. And, you know, you don't want to get off to a, a one and three, and four start under a new coach with a quarterback who's definitely, you know, under the, in the spotlight and maybe facing some pressure externally, if not internally.
0: Mike, one of the interesting aspects of this game was Bill Belichick's decision to head down to Miami on a Tuesday Uh, An unprecedented decision. Uh, When I was part of the travel party, I know we did some Fridays and some Thursdays, but never as early as Tuesday to try to get acclimated. They ended up practicing because no one would let them use their facilities during football season. They're at uh, Palm Beach Atlantic University and bringing their own goalposts with them.
3: Yep, your safety school.
0: <laughs> well, no they didn't have a football team they, they didn't have goalposts they don't have anything other than a sort of soccer field for intramurals um oh, so
3: it's so belichick it's unbelievable byo goalposts
0: is there well, yeah, anything
3: and, more belichick than that
0: well i actually think it might be um a bit of a commentary on uh the faded glory of the new england patriots personally i think if the patriots were coming off a uh super bowl run or if tom brady and and i think they asked to use a facility they would have found a way. But as Robert Kraft pointed out, you haven't won a playoff game in three years, and now when you knock on doors, the doors don't always open like they used to. But that's a different topic for a different day. Um, this was mocked by Bart, Bart Scott, a desperation move. Um, old friend uh, Keon Crossan sort of laughed. Even you you were there when I asked uh, Matthew Judon if you know anything can be done to prepare for the heat of Miami, and he just laughed and said no. So is this a great plan? Is this Belichickian genius, or is this – some sort of desperation move that's really not going to have any positive impact and in a way makes it feel like you don't trust your ability to just fly into Miami on a Saturday and win the damn game.
2: How about if it's just a, as simple as this? That stupid concert thing is there this week. What is it? Ram, Ramstein? Ramstein. Oh, Ramstein. Quick, Ramstein. Ram, Ramstein.
0: Um, wow. did you know Ramstein? I don't know if they're doing it at Gillette, but part of their concert is a giant, um, I think I can say it, penis that sprays mm-hmm. the crowd with white yeah. foam like that's,
2: that's part of their normal That's German score.
1: musicians for you
0: yeah <laughs> so huh. sorry go ahead
2: well, I don't really know where to uh Transition. Where do you yeah, let's, for that? hey
3: Andy let's get the guy with a nice national profile who's kind yeah. enough to give us a half an hour <laughs> yeah. and then mention <laughs> giant like foam spewing phalluses at a concert at a football stadium what a yeah, great choice
2: are, see, look at that
3: really honestly who's the adult in this room
2: I mean. I, but honestly, my, my curiosity is simply like, did they just look at it and say, it's it's going to be a nightmare there logistically, the stuff that we're trying to do, and we just get the hell out of there? Simple as that. Beach yeah, Mike, because
3: Denver. even even you know guys that played there 20 years ago, like I have asked Christian about it ad nauseum, and he said, it doesn't matter. If you get there the day before, if you get there a week in advance, you continue to tell yourself, I know it's going to be hot. I'll drink plenty of Gatorade. I'll be fine. I'll get fully hydrated, and then it's so hot and sweaty on Sunday that there's just nothing you can do about it. You're not used to it. It's not like acclimating to the altitude in Denver, where in 72 hours suddenly your blood pressure changes. Like it's just a nightmare.
2: Yeah, I think that actually one of the papers in in Florida, one of the teams, you know, papers that covers the Dolphins, had someone on or interviewed someone about the like how can you actually adjust to the humidity, and he's like, it takes like two months. So. <laughs> So, no, the answer is no. You yeah. just better be in good shape. You better utilize your bench a little bit. You better drink your water, get your rest, and then, you know, hope that um, maybe you get out to an early lead. I don't, I don't know. Like I, it's To me, I think all we're so used to overthinking all the things that Belichick does because sometimes there's been these unbelievable moments of genius behind it. And I just wonder if it was just like our facilities are being overrun by some German band that does whatever Andy said they do and like, <laughs> let's just get the hell out of there. It's a team bonding thing. Not that we haven't already done enough of that so far, and we're going to do it again later in the year uh, when they go out to LA and Arizona, Vegas, whatever the hell that, that trip is. So, you know, like just get there, we can get our work in, we can keep an eye on our guys and we'll see what happens.
3: Maybe acclimate a little bit, get that new England versus everyone mentality going again, because, and as we get near wrap up time, pretty much everyone under the sun not, we're not looking Patriots' long view on the season because the Vegas over-under is eight and a half. Uh, I put together a piece on dot .com with most of our air staff picking their Patriots' season-long picks. A lot of six and 11, seven and 10, eight and nine, nine and eight. That seems to be the national average. Riding again the eight and a half. And everyone's picking Miami on Sunday. So uh, without having to hold you to the point of making a pick for Sunday unless you're comfortable doing so, any last nuggets, intangibles, X-Factors, uh, and maybe a little bit on the coaching matchup?
2: Uh, No, I mean, like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pick. I I would just continue. Well, no, I mean, I, I I think my feelings about both teams going into this are pretty clear based on what we've just done here. Um, You know, I think your quarterback hasn't been comfortable all summer long. Now they've been saying all the right things these last two weeks and you hear buzzes that practice has been better and we clean things up. And I think there was definitely a moment of a, a slap in the face uh when they had Josh on the other sideline and what happened during those joint practices, and again on that game, and it was like, Well, you're not getting him back. So we gotta try to figure something out here. But I, I gotta see it and I haven't seen it. And I feel like uh in talking to the people down in Miami that I know, um, that they feel a lot better about where they're at, honestly, than the Patriots do, maybe twisting some of the things that have happened here to make you believe that they're in a better spot. So um, I, I just need to see it from them. I think they need to see it more importantly. I think the, all the talk about buy-in, I don't think they're fully bought in yet because they haven't seen that this thing works. And they keep going back to the idea of, well, why the hell did we change this? You know, our quarterback was in a comfortable spot. You know, these guys all know too, if you go back in history, even in recent history, when you change offensive coordinators after year one for for a rookie quarterback going into year two, usually doesn't go very well. You know, uh, you you just learned this. Now we're going to erase that. We got to do something different now. And now you're Sam Darnold. All of a sudden, you know, three years, three offensive coordinators, you're a bust, you're traded off to Carolina and your, your career is probably ruined. So I, I don't think, I think Max resilient enough and smart enough. And some of the things that he does, the brain, the accuracy are things that can translate uh, different schemes, but again, show it, show it, get it done build some confidence because I don't think they have very much right now offensively.
1: Well, you said that they're saying all the right things as of late. Andy pointed this out either yesterday or the other day when Mac talked, how he he was saying things like I'm smart. And I don't, I, I, when it comes, when, when it comes to me, like if the, if there's one thing I've learned from, I don't know, like game of Smalley under center, honest to God, (laughs) it's, it's this like, if you have to say you're a good King, you're not a good King. So if you have to tell people you're smart, are you just not quite as smart as everyone is making you out to be? Uh, like a lion doesn't have to tell you he's a lion. So I'm just, I, I, it, I find it weird. I'm not necessarily saying that Mac Jones is a dummy, but I'm just, I, I find it very weird that you have to come out and say, well, I'm smart too. Belichick's not the only smart one here.
2: Yeah. I think it, I think that's more, if we're going to read tea leaves, I think that's more of a response to the guys that are coaching him. And almost like this separation of church and state thing where like, Hey, I, I, I could do this. Like I I showed you, I could do it last year. And now we've got this collection of offensive coaches here that are, I'm dealing with, and it's not going to look the same. It doesn't feel the same. I just want to remind you that I was, I was good last year. Uh, you, You heard him. I think yesterday, the, you know, problem solving. He keeps saying problem solving, like that's his big, well, because there are problems with his offense right now. It's not just like, oh, in the game, you see this, you got to do that. No, it's in general, like we got our issues and we got to figure out a way to fix our issues before we can actually impose our will on another team. I mean, they they couldn't impose their will on their own defense and we don't think their own defense is a an elite defense. So, again, not, not the best summer for this football team.
0: Okay, boys, before we wrap this up, he doesn't make picks because he's one of those big-time national guys that covers the game and can't offend either team and all that. Uh, So speaking of – Said with so
3: much disdain, even I was offended. No. But that's fine.
0: The last guy who did a show with me who said he wouldn't make a pick was Paul Kakarski, and I never asked him to do a show with me again. He was such (laughs) a a, dink about it, too. You just
3: made that name up, but that's okay. No, it's some guy in Tennessee who refused to pick the game.
2: Let me just quickly – quick aside, he and Vrabel have the best battles – Vrabel craps on him all the time. Paul has his own website. Like, he, yes. I don't know who he used to work for, but now he has his own thing. And Vrabel, especially at the beginning of COVID, they had some exchanges on Zoom that were epic. Like, Paul, are people actually paying for your site? Like, this
0: <laughs> I love Vrabel. The other
2: <laughs> like- thing from Vrabel is, is epic.
3: This is this is not specifically aimed at Bedard per se, but how come Belichick has never like, you know, (laughs) knowing that there are like a lot of different paywall sites or whatever, like whether it's Jeff Howe at the Athletic, whatever, like uh, do people actually read this? Do people actually, (laughs) you know, you can get the Globe or the Herald, you know, I don't like I would just once, just just once, Bill, pull the curtain back and don't just be like that. That sort of like superficial level snarky but just give me like from the bowels of Belichick because you know that would be the kind of theater we live for not just like
2: he sn- saved it hey Fitzy, he saves a snark for the weather people
0: that's true <laughs> you know? that's honestly just just was wrong,
2: wrong more of those guys
0: and plus Vrabel can't help himself Vrabel yeah. is like no. me it's like reaction no. I still go back to the story at the combine when he had that hideous mustache and I said you're still going with that mustache no, and God. he responded within a half a nanosecond <laughs> you're still effing short and I <laughs> Hey, that I am Mike. a
3: bigger Mike Vrabel fan today than I have ever been.
0: <laughs> um, so, so Shime time. Give me the prediction. Give me the prediction of more than just pain.
1: Yeah, I, a couple weeks ago, I already bet on the Dolphins. Uh, yeah. I I bet on the Dolphins when they were minus two and a half. Uh, it's now three and a half. I, I'm going to ride with the Dolphins. I just I, I need to see this Patriots offense be semi competent before I can ever invest any kind of money into them uh yep. <laughs> to win a football game. So I- I'm gonna go with the Miami Dolphins here. Score. Uh I'm gonna go with twenty seven seventeen dolphins.
3: Andy all summer long I was like shime and I had been talking myself into something along the lines of a 20 to 30 point beatdown. That you and I would on the new Six Rings post game show on WEEI be talking about as C. Belichick. Are you happy now? You worked all summer long. You made all these changes, and you just validated the points, critiques, and concerns of everybody. And then over the past week, not just because somebody has to take the positive angle, I've walked it back and talked myself into there's just no way Bill Belichick, after 23 years, would allow his team to go out there and get absolutely hammered on national TV like that. So. Whatever it is that needs to go the Patriots way late in the game, as opposed to last year when it didn't, does. And the Patriots squeak out uh, a shocking high-scoring win. Give me Patriots 30, Dolphins 28.
0: So there's no way Bill Belichick would let his team get embarrassed on national TV two games in a row, because that's how last season ended. Um, Sometimes Bill doesn't have full control (laughs) of what's going on. Players make plays and win games. I I came into this prediction in, in sort of the shine ballpark. And mm-hmm. then I listened to a guy I respect a lot named Mike Giardi, who knows both teams very well. And he told me that part of the Patriots game plan for success was, quote, hope to a craps his pants. Um, I'm not sure Tua is going to crap his pants. I'm intrigued by Mike McDaniel. I think Tyreek Hill is the fastest player on the field. I think Jalen Waddle is one of the best players on the field. So give me. Thirty to ten, Dolphins. I don't oh, think. The absolute
3: beatdown.
1: All right, all right. Now we have
0: this on the record. Now we could grab this audio
3: and play it Sunday, Mike. You know, sure. Andy and I are doing the post game Just now on it. Ei, yeah. um, and we're either going to go your way and I'll overreact and I'll be the angry super fan on the air, or I'll be playing a robust and zesty round of ha, ha I told you so."
0: <laughs> Good luck with that. I yeah, feel I know, exactly. in my side of that.
3: Mike. I know the people can follow you on the tweet machine at Mike Giardi, uh, and of course, they watch you and appreciate you on NFL Network. Where will they find you this week during your broadcast? Ah, you,
2: your boy is uh, in Cincinnati for Steelers oh, and Bengals. So Steelers,
3: Steelers, Bengals. You're going to yeah, go down, gonna a good one. downtown to Paul Brown.
2: Yeah went to went to Pittsburgh um, on Wednesday. A Little uh, quick trip in there. Talked to Minka Fitzpatrick and Cameron Hayward and. They're excited about what they're bringing to the table. A little pissed off about how last year went, especially against Cincinnati, where the second time they got absolutely demolished. Right. Um, so, looking forward to that one for sure.
3: Yeah, I kind of like. There's something I like about this Steelers team. I don't know. It's not the Trubisky thing. I like Pickett. I love George Pickens. Oh, how come we can't get receivers like that? <laughs> I love Free nope. and And uh, you know, these guys could could have easily. I know. Took uh, a and, took a guard in the first round instead. Just turn and a card in with for his another knee day. On. All right, and then we took a Waterford Crystal receiver. Who the first time he gets <laughs> oh, hit? Come on, <laughs>
2: look at that!
1: I, I didn't like positivity. the pick. Why, Why do I, do I do have it? to
3: pretend what? I like the pick? I wanted them to take a big, durable receiver, and they took and they took someone who's made out of like the Flash's skin. It's an imbe- it's okay, whatever. It's hurtful for another podcast. All right, oh, so you're gonna be is. in Pittsburgh. That's gonna be fun, Mike. That should be a good time. I mean, then, excuse be, me.
2: Yeah, I'm definitely going to be. If I'm in Pittsburgh, then I uh, I screwed up.
3: <laughs> Boss, <laughs> I screwed up. <laughs> I'm not at the game.
2: <laughs> I'm at Heinz Field or whatever it's called now. Uh, yeah, like exactly. I'm just
3: going to go to Permani's and get an Iron City
0: and something with fries on it. I'll catch you guys Monday. Exactly. All right, guys. That is going to put a wrap on our Patriots-Dolphins season preview. Big game. Uh, We have some differing opinions. Mike Giardi didn't exactly give a score or a pick, but his tone said a lot. Shime, his tone always says a lot about the Patriots. (laughs) Nick Fitzy Stevens is a little bit back on the bandwagon Again, a little positivity, and I am... uh, I'm dubious, dismissive, and really concerned about how this season is going to open for Bill Belichick's team. But we will be back, as Fitzy alluded to, Sunday evening, WEEI. The Six Rings podcast goes on terrestrial radio for the Six Rings postgame show. Tune in for our immediate gut reactions to Patriots Dolphins and watch Mike Giardi on NFL Network with his uh, reports on Joe Burrow and a real offense in Cincinnati. For now, I'm Andy Hart joined by Nick Fitzy-Stevens, Chris Scheim, Time Scheim, and our very special guest, Mike Giardi, who hopefully will join us more times down the road as long as he doesn't get fired for talking about large phallic symbols and what they do at (laughs) Gillette Stadium. This is Six Rings Podcast, out.